start to Philippians chapter 1. That's what we're going to get to in a little bit. Um, so remember Paul, this man who was radically transformed by Jesus. Paul and his co-workers, they come to the city of Philippi. They get to know the city. Uh, they start learning how the city operates, the culture of the city. And then three radically different people were changed by, by the gospel. Remember that? There's Lydia, the wealthy Asian businesswoman who is kind of has an intellectual conversion of sorts. Then you have a slave girl uh, who was this oppressed person who had sort of this power encounter with the living God. She was transformed. Then you have the blue collar jailer who heard Paul and his friends singing songs in the night of Jesus and he and his whole household were converted as well. And so that's the beginning of the church in the city of Philippi. And now some years have passed. Paul is writing to this church that he loves. He wrote a letter. You know, we're looking at this in, a, in these books, right? But this would come as a scroll 2,000 years ago. Would have come as a scroll. And Paul is in prison, and he's sending this letter to the church at Philippi. And what Paul wants for the church is he wants the church to grow. He wants the church to flourish. He wants the church to thrive. He wants these people to be uh, growing as disciples of Jesus. He wants them to continue to change and to mature, to flourish and grow uh, as individuals and as a church. And here's the question I want to have us wrestle with a little bit this morning, is how do people change? How do people change? How do people grow? How do people mature? Um, you know, our culture offered, offers all kinds of answers to, to that question. Um, Paul has his church that he loves. He wants to see them grow, flourish, change, mature. So what does he, does he do? To make that happen. So let's, let's read the text and we'll talk about this. And I want you to think about this question for you. What has helped you the most to change, to grow, to flourish? Where have you, and what has caused you to change, grow, and flourish? Okay, Philippians chapter 1, we're, today is verses 3 through 11. And if you remember the introduction of this letter, Paul says who he is. Uh, he is in your servants of Christ. He's writing to all the saints. Jesus, you're a Christian, you're a saint. And he gives them this introductory message of grace to you and peace to you. And then he says this, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Everybody say joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I'm sure of this, be sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel, I'm going to say feel, feel, to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both of my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay. Paul wants his church to grow. He wants his church to flourish. Uh, he wants his people to change and mature as disciples of Jesus. So, right out of the gate, he gives them a bunch of commands and a bunch of things to do, right? 
Now, you see any commands right there? Any passages that I read? Is it a command of anything that? Anyone see any commands? Yes? No? What do you guys see? Yeah, no commands. Uh, he's not, he doesn't give them a list of commands. He doesn't give them any shoulds. He doesn't give them a list of, of things to accomplish. Uh, instead, Paul does a couple things. This is, let's, I kind of want to make three points today. It's, first point is about prayer. The second point is about promise. And the third point is about heart. So, so here's the first point of prayer. Paul, after this introduction, he, he just prays for the Philippians. Uh, which tells us that if you really want to see change and transformation happen in your life, happen in someone else's life, happen in the church's life, prayer is what is incredibly important. Paul talks all about um, how grateful he is to this church, how much he always, whenever he's remembering them, whenever he thinks of them, he just thanks God for them. That's, that's a great practice to cultivate in our life as believers, uh, a practice of gratitude. Um, when we think of something, when we think of someone, we're grateful to be thankful. Um, here it's, it's, it's prayer. Paul just wants to, wants to pray for this church. He, he's praying for them as he starts out. He believes that's how, how change happens. Uh, David Wells says this. Prayer is the ultimate interference with the status quo. Prayer is the ultimate interference with the status quo. If you really want to change, if you really want to see change happen, uh, you need to Pray. Now, think about your own prayer life. What's, what's going on in your own prayer life? Are you, are you praying a lot? Are you praying a little? Are you enjoying prayer? Are you not enjoying prayer? What's, what's going on with that? Uh, prayerlessness in your life is pride. If you're living a prayerless life, if your prayer life is really low, uh, that's most connected to pride. The, the most prideful people I know pray very, 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 very and the most humble, happy, you know, peaceful people I know really have an active, thriving um, prayer life. Um, so when the gospel comes into your life, when Jesus comes into your life, Jesus transforms you, and also you recognize, oh my gosh, prayer is so, is so important. Because what the gospel does is the gospel comes into your life and it tells you, okay, you, you're so weak, you have to pray. You're you're a child of God. Like you, you don't hold it all together. God holds it all together. You need the Savior. You're so weak. You need to be praying. You need to be praying to, to make change happen. And it tells you you're so loved that you get to pray. You're so loved by the living God that you get to pray. You can talk to the Father. You have access to the Father. And the best thing about prayer, don't think about prayer as this duty. The best thing about prayer is you get to be with the prayer. The best thing about prayer is you get to be with the prayer is a relationship. You're talking to the living God. You're you're in relationship with him. You're, you're talking to him. Um, prayer is what really changes things. So Paul does not, he does not start out with Philippians with this list of this, 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 and then change the change of the growth. No, he just says, I want you to know I'm so thankful for you. And I'm just praying for you. Man, well, isn't that going to give people who like to say things like that? Can you imagine someone who likes just to say that? So bad. I love you. Whenever I think about you, I'm just full of joy. I don't want to be for you. Man, imagine what that would, what that would do to you. Imagine how that uh, transforms you. You know, as you think about what, what is it that uh, 
change you before you pass it. I was thinking about this preparing this message. Um, I think the only thing that has ever truly changed me, deep down, inside out, is love. That is the only thing that's ever truly changed me. I've improved my behavior a little bit here and there through doing either willpower or hard work or effort. But the only thing that has truly transformed me fundamentally from the inside out has been love. And I think we can only get in touch with this kind of transforming love of God through prayer. And Paul is going to be a vehicle of that transforming love of God by reminding people of how thankful he is for them and by praying for them. So prayer. Prayer is so important. The second, he's talking about, he's talking about this promise. Look at this promise in verse 6. Everyone locate that promise in verse 6? And I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. That's a great promise. Have you ever felt like, man, I just am not really growing, I'm not really changing, I'm not finding increased freedom from stuff that's kind of getting in my in my way, I'm not healing. Have you ever felt that? No one else has ever felt that? Okay, there's a couple hands. Sometimes it's change and maturity and growing into the side of Jesus. Sometimes it can be really hard or sometimes it can be really slow. There can be these different setbacks and you think, how can I ever defeat this sin? How can I ever be more mature in this way? How, how can this wound ever heal? How can I ever be a person? How can I ever transform? Well, we have this promise. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring to completion the day of Christ Jesus. This is the great promise of the, 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 the whole Bible. But God is at work. That God loves his people. That God is working on his people. That, God's, that God is transforming us. God's faithful. God comes through. God finishes what he starts, unlike us. If God is a promise keeper. He keeps his promises, even though we are people who often don't keep our promises. This is a reminder that if you're in Christ, if you place your faith in Jesus, God is for you. God's for you. And you really need to know that if you want to thrive, if you want to grow, if you want to transform as a Christian, that God is for you. He used to be against you before the sacrifice of Christ, that you were, you were lost in your stuff, you were guilty in your sin. Until so Jesus, you were just thinking about it, until Jesus came, and, and now it's in Christ alone that our hope is found. God's wrath has been satisfied because of the work of Jesus, and God is. You. And that's a profound foundation you need for spiritual growth. So Paul has in view, he's aiming for the church in Philippi to mature, flourish, grow, and he's just teaching them, he's modeling them by example how that's going to happen. It's going to be through prayer, it's going to be through trusting this incredible promise of who God is and what God is up to. Um, now, who does it say? Look at verse 6. Who is going to complete this good work? God. Not, not the Philippians. Not the Philippian church. God is going to complete that great work. He is going to do that. That gives us profound confidence and rest. That we can rest in God's promises. That He's so faithful to us. He's going to complete the good work that He began in us. It doesn't say that we have to complete it. It says that He completes it. What that means is He's the one who gives the glory. Not us. He completes the good work that he started with us. 
So he gets the glory. He gets the fame. That's what real love does. That's what this gospel love does in our heart. It's God who transforms us. It's God who changes us. Um, you know, really, if you think about the gospel this way, the gospel is the greatest compliment we'll ever receive, and it's the greatest criticism we'll ever receive. I mean, the gospel is the greatest criticism we'll ever receive. And you were so lost, so broken, set such a mess. That Jesus had to come and rescue you, die to you, uh, live a perfect life for you, redeem you. You're so, so you'll never get a worse critique like, than, than, than that in your life. And so that frees you up to handle the other critiques that will come your way in life, whether it's from a teacher, a friend, a boss, or you can handle those other critiques because Jesus is already giving you the, the strongest critique ever. Jesus, you need to say to the Savior. So. Gospel is also the greatest um, affirmation, the greatest praise, uh, the greatest word of love that you'll He's thanking God for the believers in Philippi. 
Verse 5 reminds us that there are partners in the gospel. They're in this whole thing together. Not alone. And then look at these different words. Verse 7. So the word feel. What do you have in your translation? I feel. 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 Okay. That's right for me to feel this way. Paul feels for the Philippines. He feels them. He's not just thinking. He's not just thinking about them. He's not just thinking. Okay. He, in his heart, he feels for the Philippians. And then, where does it say that he holds the Philippians? Verse 7. Where does he hold them? What did you translate to tell us? I have, I hold you in my heart. I have you in my heart. Okay. Mine's better, but I hold you in my heart. He has it. Trying harder, doing more, working harder. Our willpower. 
our support, but that's not the main thing. That means we need to be a people who trust this promise for ourselves and for other people. You know, if you're in Christ, if God began to work in you, He will complete it. And that ought to humble us. It's not to you, it's up to God. God will complete the good work He began in you. God will complete the good work He began in His church. God will do it. Not us. So that drives us back into prayer and drives us into gratitude and drives us into, into praising God. So we've got to take our mind again and again to this promise, to the other great promises of Scripture. And I think we've got to think very about, about heart. Paul is throwing all of his heart and all of his affection into these people. And he's really, through doing that, he's teaching the Philippian church how to do relationships, how to treat each other, how to treat one another, and how to love their surrounding community in the city of Philippi. He, Paul's not loving these people with kind of a, an arm's distance love. He's, he's not saying, yeah, I think about you, I love you, I care about you, just kind of stay over there. No, he's saying, I have taken you and I brought you in, and I hold you in my heart. I feel all this affection for you. I felt this joy for you. I'm praying for you all the time. I'm suffering here in prison. I hold you right here in my heart. And he's believing that that kind of love, that he's kind of this conduit of God's love, and he's showing him the way in child loves. And isn't that what Jesus did? That Jesus left heaven, came to earth for us, lost and stuck in our sin. He loved us with his whole heart. He poured out all his heart for us. All his love. He loved his disciples with, a, with great affection. He, he gave all he, he gave his life for us. He put his heart. So when we understand more and more of that, that gospel truth, more and more of that gospel love, when we understand change, transformation is only going to happen in someone's life, but the result of prayer is the result of the gospel is flowing in our life. As a result of someone accessing, accessing his promises of God, the only God can transform us, the one who can do He's the one who's going to do it. That sets us free as people to love people through prayer, to love people with the gospel power, to love people with great affection. Now, all our personalities are different. I'm not saying that everyone's going to have these exact same personalities. All or everyone's going to be as demonstrative with their feelings as Paul is or someone else might be. But it does mean the way in which we love and treat other people is through holding them in our heart. So I want you to be thinking this week about. What it might look like for you to better understand this big heart of God. That God holds you in his heart. God holds you in his heart. That you have access to him at all times through prayer. You can call upon him in prayer. And you can ask him to come and bring transformation to you and bring transformation to other people. That you can believe this promise that he'll complete the big work he begun, the good work he begun in your life. That you can love other people like us. That one another in the church, as you think about this church this year, what does it mean for us to be um, disciples, making disciples? What does it look like for us to reach our community? What does it look like for us to grow and flourish in the church? Well, see if you really believe you should in chapter 1, verse 6 of the church. If you really believe that, that's going to look like your church prays part of it. And your church prays big and asks God for, for big things and really trust Him. I think it'll look like that your church loves each other and loves the city, loves your co-workers, loves fellow students, loves your workplaces and your schools with this kind of affection. Let me just read this for us and close again. And I want you to hear the heart of a Christian and the heart of a pastor. It's the heart that can be the heart of the church. 
I thank my God and all your remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, also common, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. We are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let me pray God, I thank you for home in Christ Church and uh, and I'm beginning to hold them in my heart more and more. And uh, I believe Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 to them, that you began to work in them, you'll bring it to completion today, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, for Home Christ Church to uh, be freshly reminded of this promise. Uh, this promise that you start good works and you complete good works. Um, would, would we all be a people? Rest in that promise and who run to you in prayer and enjoy you in prayer and, and access your heart that holds us in. And would we be a people who love one another, or our love bound, who love one another more and more when we spread that love out of the city as we come to understand more and more of this great big heart of Jesus that brought us into.